Throughout the coronavirus pandemic, NiceEgg and RG&E have been working tirelessly to keep the lights on and kitchen stoves hot. They have also been doing a great deal of giving back to the communities they serve across upstate New York. And today on Inside the Finger Lakes, we are joined by President and CEO Carl Taylor. First of all, thanks a lot for taking the time. Really appreciate it. How has the pandemic impacted the way you guys are sort of operating on the day to day? Yeah, uh, it's a great question. And, um, you know, what, one of the things, you know, we, we're, we're in the, I call it in the business of you know, supplying an essential service these days. And, uh, you know, you like an energy, uh, everything we do today is, is, sur- is surrounded by energy. And it's, uh, it's, it's, it's always a challenge uh, providing energy every day, but uh, in, in this kind of environment, it makes it even more unique. And to give an idea, you know, where, where we are as a company, uh, we currently have between 70 and 80% of our employees are actually working from home. Uh, so because all the employees are essential employees as part of, you know, the delivery mechanism to delivering natural gas and electricity, um, you know, whether you're coming to work every day or you're, you're staying at home, uh, everybody is still on the job and working. So you know, that, that's one of the things that's a little unique uh, in the business. Uh, given you know the various states of you know where where we are with the state and and you know the COVID environment, so with that we've had to take all the precautions to ensure that number one that we're keeping all our employees safe, but more importantly our customers and our communities. So you'll you'll notice that uh, you'll still see a, a you know a Rochester Gas and Electric uh, a line truck uh, out there today. But you'll notice a difference also because typically we'd have our two linemen in that truck and they'd be heading out to you know an outage or some type of maintenance work on the system. And today what we've done is because of social distancing and making sure we maintain that, we now have have the second lineman is driving in a vehicle behind that line truck. So we've changed the reporting, for example, uh, and how we actually report to, to the work itself. Uh, the workers generally used to come into work and we would have a, a meeting in the morning to discuss safety and all the work they're doing. Uh, we've changed that environment to whereby because of social spacing, they're now getting their job orders in the yard at their vehicle and then they're taking off from there. So a lot of work around social distancing. And then, you know, the other challenge really and really customer facing is our call centers, which is critical. You know, our, our customers, they, they need to get a hold of us. Uh, I find our customers don't call us for the sake of just calling us. They call us because they have a true need, whether it's a billing issue, whether it's an outage, you know, some other issue. And it's important that you know, we're there for them. So our, our call center personnel, they're still reporting to work uh, and answering phones. And, uh, but what we've done there, obviously, is we've, I th- I'd say we've, we're occupying more space in the buildings than we used to. Now, the good news is some space is freed up. Uh, but, you know, we're, we're using that space to make sure that we keep them safe every day, knowing, though, that they are having to come into work uh, and, 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 you know, and man those phones and, and answer our customers' needs. So, you know, some really big changes around uh, the work environment and how we're doing the work. And I'm curious, what was it like implementing that on what I would imagine to be a pretty short order, probably in a matter of, of days or maybe weeks, where you had to transition from a combination of work from home and safe social distancing in various workspaces. What was it like actually uh, coming up with the plan and then executing the plan in a relatively short turnaround time? Yeah, I, I think a, a couple of things here. So uh, because of the business we're in, you know, we have plans sort of on the shelf for what I call a major emergency. 
And you know, this is one of those opportunities where you don't like you don't like these opportunities to come along very often. But the reality is, you know, we 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 took these plans and we we started implementing them immediately. And you had to modify them a little bit because they weren't necessarily designed for social distancing uh, or some of the other attributes associated with the pandemic. But they were designed really to, if there was a, a, a major issue, whether it's an economical issue or other type of issue uh, in the system, that we had, we had processes in place. So we, we really went to those plans first and, and utilized them as kind of, I call it the, the, uh, the straw man or the, you know, the, the roadmap on how we were going to implement. From there, we then made modifications. And I think, you know, as you know, this, this sort of hit us very quickly, but the changes we're implementing were happening, you know, over courses of a day and days and weeks. So as, as things were being implemented, we were making sure that we were on top of that. You know, one of the things we, we, we saw early on, for example, was uh, as we were adapting, uh, we were also looking at inventories of supplies and what we have to make sure that we could protect, you know, the workers and the community. And you may recall back about a month ago, right when the pandemic started, we had announced that we, had, uh, we came across uh, a, a quite a bit of stock of masks that we actually use for part of our work, but we'd, we'd also acquired many of these back in 2008 and 2009 when other major emergencies were occurring. And uh, it, it enabled us to, you know, we knew the hospitals and, and the healthcare systems were really struggling very early on uh, with, you know, with certain PPE need uh, in, in regard to treating patients. So uh, we took it upon ourselves to inventory what we needed and we knew we had other supplies coming and uh, it afforded us the opportunity to do and donate, you know, uh, excess. And in New York State, we did about 18,000 surgical and N95 masks to uh, New York State to distribute to those areas most need. So it also gave us an opportunity not only to, to deploy our plans, but also recognize that, you know, what do we have that might be useful to others and how can we help contribute to the communities, in, you know, in, in, a, in a meaningful way. So that was, you know, to me, that was something that was, was kind of paramount and important as it pertained to, you know, how do we do this? Now, with that said, I'll be honest with you, you know, we also started had to rationalize our own supplies of recent because uh, all those orders that we thought were coming uh, seemed to move to other places, I'll say it that way, that were in much more need than we were. But uh, we've, we've managed to manage through that. But those are some of the things and changes that, you know, you, you can have a plan on the shelf that looks good and is going to work, but you're always adapting as you go. When you look at uh, sort of the sustainability of the way you're operating now and the way things are working now, most most experts seem to think in the in the health uh, in the public health field that we're looking at probably close to a year of of needing to socially distance and and do things like that. Uh, is the plan sustainable, or do you think it's something that you guys will continue to sort of tweak and mold uh, as things evolve? Uh, a little bit of both. So. The, the idea is that we're, we're trying to make sure we've got a plan that is sustainable for whatever that long period of time might be. Uh, but with that said, we, we also recognize uh, there is some things that are going to need to change or we're going to have to readapt. And uh, you know, a, a, a good instance of that would be, for example, when you, when you think about some of the things I've already described, you know, eventually you've, you've got you've to look at things and go, how long can we do this? And I, I think of engineering and some of these other practices whereby um, having somebody secluded at home and engineering uh, might be uh, 
you know, palatable for a short period of time, but eventually project teams need to either come together, whether it's through technology or other mechanisms, to ensure that you know, we're, we're meeting you know, the future and what's, what's going on and, and et cetera. The other area is, believe it or not, onboarding new employees. I think this is something for all employers. Uh, you know, as we see employees leaving and moving on to other opportunities, you know, we're onboarding new people. And you think about the first time you got a job, you kind of came into the workplace, you met some of your coworkers, your boss, and there was a lot of interaction that took place, very personal interaction, because quite frankly, you probably sat there not really knowing what to do next. And I, I think that's one of the bigger challenges that not only us as a company, but many other companies are facing is to, as you're onboarding people and you're trying to adapt their skills and understand processes and systems and all those things that you, know, you, you get to know as you, as you work in that environment, you know, that's becoming a big challenge. And in particular, you know, how do we train people to be qualified? So for example, you know, if you wanna work in our gas department and you wanna work on gas systems, there's, there's very specific qualifications and tests you have to do to get those done. Uh, to, be, you know, to, to be quite blunt about it, uh, many of those systems came to a pause as part of the national pause. So those same organizations that were administering all of these tests and everything, uh, they went on hold. So as that comes back into play, we've got to start thinking about over the long term, how do we train people to make sure they're qualified to do the work that we expect them to do and do it in a safe manner. So those are some things that to me are longer term that we're going to have to either, you know, do we go back to the way it was because it allows us to, or if it doesn't allow us to, how are we going to modify those things and change them uh, both in the near term and long term? Uh, in terms of usage with, with folks staying home with restaurants and, and retail and spaces like that pretty much shut down at the moment, um, or at least for the last two months, really, uh, have there been any big shifts in, in usage uh, that you guys have had to sort of roll with or maybe fluctuate in terms of, of where resources are going or not going? Yeah, uh, interesting question. And uh, it's something we, we think about a lot. And uh, because obviously, you know, our, our customers are being impacted, you, you know, your neighbors, everybody, there's a lot of people who just, you know, aren't working today where they were yesterday and, you know, et cetera. So when you think about that, and people are at home. So the one area we have seen, and uh, especially, it depends on where you are in the state, by the way, let me caveat this, but majority of our service territories, what I'd consider to be upstate New York area, uh, definitely seeing an, an increase in the usage uh, on the residential customer side. And predominantly that is because people are home. Uh, they're, they're working from home, they're doing things from home, their children are home. Uh, and whether it's leaving lights on or turning you know, computers on or, or et cetera, or cooking uh, for that matter, uh, definitely seeing the residential customer usage uh, going up uh, uh, some degree. On the other side though, if you look at the, the total consumption, we're actually seeing, you know, that's been fairly flat. And reason is you think about a lot, many of these commercial businesses and other businesses who use quite a bit of energy uh, and their consumption is actually down. So you're seeing kind of a shift in consumption of residential customers using more at their homes and obviously our, our commercial customers who unfortunately have not been able to have their business open to what have you, uh, their consumption has been down. Mm -hmm. So we're seeing it moderate. I think on a, we'll see what the numbers all look like over time, but I think in general we're seeing, you know, there's a fairly balance on a total basis, but you are seeing that decline. 
and that and it, and that those numbers that I talk about, those are really specific to upstate New York. I think in downstate in the city, uh, you're seeing a much bigger reduction, total reduction in in usage, because the commercial load, you know, is so, the commercial consumption is so large as compared to you know the residential consumption. So I think they're seeing a, a much different, and the state is in general has seen an overall drop in consumption uh, in in the energy sector. So you mentioned some of the ways uh, earlier that that uh, you guys have been giving back to the communities that you serve. Um, walk us through some of the additional ways. Obviously, there have been quite a few uh, monetary contributions to some of the food banks, uh, and, and that and things like that. Walk us through what some of the big ones are that you are uh, really proud of, and, and sort of show the character of uh, what you guys are trying to do uh, in the region. Yeah, I think you know one one of the first things we we recognized, and and uh, you know I, I liken this business anymore to you know, we think about food, we think about water, we think about shelter, and we think about energy today just because of the the you know where we've advanced to as a society. And when you think about that, you know we we can we can manage and deliver you know the energy product to customers, uh, and 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 it's 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 what we strive to do every single day, um, but. You know, right off the get-go, what we, we figured out really quickly is that we need to make sure that that delivery is even more reliable and to the extent there's any outages in that, that we're, we're getting, you know, responding even quicker than, than we even normally would. And to take some precautions, what we did early on is we started, we started a program at all of our utilities here in the Northeast where we went out to all the different hospital locations and we did line inspections and looked at the lines coming in, looked at the vegetation around those, and made sure that the systems, you know, non-storm related anyways, were in the best condition they could be in. Because we knew that the medical facilities, even though they have backup generators and what have you, you know, it's key that you know, they stay online and, you know, and, and serve given the crisis. So that was one of the first areas of, that we took a look at. The second area is response. Um, you know, you, when you think about customers, it's one thing to have your power go out and decide, well, I'm just going to go down the street to the restaurant who still has power and, and get a bite to eat or, or what have you. And we're all guilty of this because who wants to sit at home and there's no power on or energy, right? Well, the reality is though, you know, customers are now, you know, not only staying at home, but quite frankly, they're being mandated to stay at home. So all of a sudden you've got a family of four or six people in a home and the power goes out or the energy is turned off for some reason. And they're sitting there with no power and they have no place to go either. So it's really critical that, you know, we we're mindful of the response and, and we always try to get customers on as soon as possible, but you think about the degree of impact on customers because of this, it's even more, more impactful. So you know, we've recognized that and tried to make sure that, you know, our field personnel, and I'm really proud of all the workers here that, you know, they're getting up, they're getting out of bed, they're doing whatever it takes to get out there and, and try to get that power and energy back on as soon as possible. You know, those are the things you don't, you don't hear about you know, every day, but it's, it's a big area of focus for us as a company and you know, really proud of that. The other area is storms. Um, we're still having storms. If, you know, and you know the wind storms, it's, the wind just can't seem to let up this spring, whether it's you know, 71 day and 32 and snowing the next morning. But uh, the reality is uh, outage management's been a little different. You know, normally you're bringing crews in from outside the area. We're we're staffing up. We're still doing that, but now all of a sudden, how we do that has to be different because uh, how we how we find enough hotel rooms 
how we feed those folks, and then how we make sure they're here early enough so that when that storm does hit, and now we talk about those same consumers being out of power, how do we get them back on quicker, you know, as quickly as possible? Those are some other modifications we've made and changed. And then when you look at the donation side, you know, um, as, I, as, you, as you started the conversation in the question before, you know, I think about you know, the things that customers need. And you know, they need to have their energy on, but they, they, they also need to be fit. You know, we need food. And uh, I, I think a lot of people understand that our food banks are busy every day of the year. And what we're finding and some of the data that I'm hearing is that you know, they're seeing up to 50% increase in need ever since this COVID you know, pandemic has begun. And you know, how do we address that? You know, what, what steps can we take? And um, you know, we, we've been part of those organizations for years, but you know, we really felt it was important. And Avant Grid, our parent company, has stepped up with uh, offering up the $2.5 million in relief uh, funds. And we've, uh, a portion of that is coming to New York. And we've, had, we've been lucky that in mid-April, uh, we gave to uh, some of the major food banks and food link organizations who really are kind of, I call it the big engines uh, around uh, you know, feeding the needy. But then also we, we, we kind of, we looked at that and then looked again this last week and looked at some of the local organizations, kind of those boots on the ground organizations also that uh, people don't realize that you know, there's people every day working in community shops and what have you. And, and they're, you know, they, they have people lined up every day trying to feed all these folks. And then you think about the school programs. Uh, many of our kids uh, rely on those school programs. And you know, these same organizations have been stepping up to make sure that you know, children are being fed uh, as they would have been if school were in session as normal. So that's been a big area of focus for us. And then the final area of focus is really around COVID relief. You know, there's been many COVID relief organizations that have, have come up very quickly, uh, been organized through United Way and other organizations uh, to really help local communities. And, and we felt that was another area that, that we could stand up and, and really provide support. So, uh, you know, we're trying to do what we can, obviously, um, but we also, we also recognize at the end of the day that, uh, you, know, the, you know, most of our customers, you know, they want us to be focused on making sure that their lights and their natural gas and, and, the, and the energy is flowing and, and, and is reliable. And I just want to touch on this real quick because I, I'm staring at the infographic right now and uh, just the, the numbers. And I'm curious logistically what this looked like as you guys were mulling over the ideas. $575,000, 54 counties, 23 different local food resource organizations, and six different community funds, uh, 17,795 in surgical masks, uh, in addition to all of the logistical planning around operations. That is a massive, massive undertaking. What was that part of the, were, were, those, two, uh, were those two plans being developed side by side, or was this something that you guys sort of had in contingency for a while that you were able to lean into a little more uh, when the pandemic actually arrived here in upstate New York? Yeah, I really like, I like that question because um, it, it's, it's two things. One is, you know, we, we, through economic development programs, other programs and giving programs, you know, we, we've, we try to do everything uh, and, and try to do some things every single year across our territories. And you covered it well. Uh, you know, we cover a very broad spectrum of territory in New York. Um, this was in addition to that. So what, 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 what occurred here is we have uh, the Avant Grid Foundation, which is a foundation as part of our parent company. 
who's been very engaged in, in, in RG&E and NYSE Exterior Territory here in New York. And um, they stepped up with a million dollars in giving. Uh, and then in addition, Avon Grid, our parent company, stepped up with another million and a million and a half dollars uh, incrementally to what we would normally uh, be doing within NYSEG and RG&E and, uh, and, and move those funds and made them available to the you know, eight different utility companies and the renewable business that we have in the United States. It made those funds available so that we were able to do more impactful um, more and more now. And you think about, you know, the, the COVID-19 and it's, it's been here, you know, we've been in this, this mode since basically March now. And, you know, it, it's really, really having a lot of impact. And we felt uh, we, you know, we, you, you, you can't wait. Uh, people are in need now. People need, need help now. And, uh, and we felt, you know, I've, I've, I've worked for this company for almost 33 years. Um, and you think about RG&E, you know, being in the community over 170 years, uh, you know, it, it, we, you know, we're in, integrated in this community and it's, it's really, it's really part of our DNA that we need to help the communities and the people uh, in, in, in the territory. And uh, my last question for you, you mentioned it right there. You've been with the company for 33 years. You've been in this business for a long time. Have you ever seen anything even remotely as impactful as this pandemic has been in terms of uh, affecting daily life and, and sort of the way a company like NYSEGR RG&E uh, functions on a daily basis? Uh, no, 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 I haven't. I, um, I, I, I tell you, I, I, I always say I've seen it all, but you know, you, you should never say that because uh, once you do, something new comes along and whether it's been an industry change or uh, an economy change, you know, I think back to 2007, eight, nine, uh, when we obviously had you know, a major recession in the, in the nation and how that impacted everyone. Um, but you know, this has been fundamentally uh, changing everybody's lives. And, uh, you know, and, and I don't know about, you know, other folks, but, you know, I have kids who are in, in college today and, you know, their, their college experience has been quite different than mine was, uh, you know, given, given these circumstances that each family out there has, you know, their own, their own changes going on. So uh, really critical time. I, I think it's, uh, it's important that, uh, you know, we all take this very seriously. Um, I, I, I know, you know, there's there's a, there's a lot of news out there, um, but you know, my 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 thought is that you know everybody needs to make sure they protect themselves, but also be comfortable um, in in how they address that. Because you know, we're all different, and we all have different beliefs, and uh, we all have to you know, understand that. But I think if we can all be respectful, uh, both as individuals and as as companies, uh, you know, serving people, uh, that's going to go a long way. And uh, you know, we we recognize that, and we also recognize though that you know this is tough time for customers. Uh, it's, it's one thing to have a, a cold spell or a, you know, a hot spell where their energy consumption goes up drastically and they get a large bill or, you know, uh, energy bill. But it's a little different because uh, it's not just about the bill they're getting, but it's also the fact that, you know, they, it's, a, it's something they need on one hand. And on the other hand, they're being impacted both uh, from an income perspective, their jobs, uh, their families, and et cetera. So, you know, it, this is very unique and different. And, uh, I would wish it never happens again, uh, but I also know that you know we all need to make sure that we have lessons learned and and uh, when we when we come out the other side of this, whatever that looks like, uh, that uh, you know, we're better prepared and, uh, and 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 can serve our customers in a better way. 
Well, Carl, I, uh, I appreciate the time. And of course, a big thank you to uh, you and everyone at NYSEG and RG&E who, who are working on the front lines and, and doing this every day and making sure that, as you said, everyone's lights stay on and uh, communities stay fed through a lot of the great programs that you guys have been giving back to. Great. Well, thank you very much for having me today. And, and like I said, I, I just hope everybody stays healthy and safe out there. Hey, thanks for listening. Look for new episodes of Inside the Finger Lakes Saturdays and Sundays on FingerLakes1.com or wherever you get podcasts. If you're listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, consider leaving us a review or rating the show five stars. Both help a great deal. For more great conversations like these, check out our daily debrief. It goes inside the headlines with pieces of the great conversations we have on this and other shows. One last favor. If you can, consider becoming a supporter. You're not going to see any paywalls on FingerLakes1.com, but good journalism does cost money, and relying solely on advertisers is an industry-tried but largely untenable model. Visit Patreon.com slash FO1 to become a monthly supporter. If you have any questions, have an idea for a show, or just want to say hello, drop us a line at InsideTheFLX at FingerLakes1.com. Thanks again for listening, and I'll see you next week.